Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. One of my, my big things is what do you do in your home? What do you think could make it easier? So something that a lot of people will go to is lightings. There's also smart plugs. You know, I use it to control my fans. I, I've got multiple smart plugs across the house. And that's what we'll be hearing about today, how you can make your home an accessible smart home. We'll speak with Dustin Bagas, who is visually impaired himself, about his My Home Kit Home videos, blog, and website that aim to show users what can be expected from such devices and how they work. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Dustin Bagas. If you're looking to start a smart home, try starting out with a smart bulb or a smart plug. And you can plug anything you want into the smart plug. It doesn't just have to be a table lamp. No, it doesn't. It, the caveat there is that it has to have a hard switch. So a lot of you know fans and things, they have the soft switches that are just you know, or they, they're just touch controls. Those devices aren't really going to work. So a good general rule of thumb is that if you can unplug the device while it's on, you plug it back in and it turns on again, you can use a smart plug with it. What a great way to get started though. As with many other things, if you start simple, you can work up to more complex issues. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Dustin. My name is Dustin Bogus. I am the owner and creator of My Home Kit Home, which is a blog, a YouTube channel, and kind of social media all kind of wrapped into one, all dedicated to the smart home using Apple's HomeKit. And that's basically what we'll be talking about today, but in particular, the experiences that you've had and the advice that you have for other people trying to use it with a visual impairment. I gather you personally have a visual impairment? So I do, and it's not something I've really concentrated much on the channel up until most recently. Um, I've found, you know, some really interesting use cases for people with visual impairments in terms of kind of making you know, some of those things around the house that are kind of a pain in the neck to make accessible, kind of found some uses for HomeKit to make some of those things accessible. And so, yeah, that's one of the things that I've kind of one of the new routes I'm looking to, to get into. Can you describe the amount of vision that you do have? Yeah. So my visual acuity, the last time I checked, which was about 20 years ago, is about 2,600. So I've got a lot of haziness. I've also got some optic nerve damage from glaucoma. Um, I had some retinal uh, detachments uh, at a fairly young age when I was about 20 um, and then kind of had multiple surgeries since then. And so lots of uh, retina damage can't say it's macular degeneration, but I've had a lot of damage done to my macula. Um, so I do use quite a bit of voiceover, but also with Zoom and kind of speech to text and a lot of those things to kind of get me through kind of the home kit experience. So a combination of accessibility features on smartphones and computers. Absolutely. Yeah. And what do you do when you're not talking about the Apple home kit? 
I am an English teacher. So I teach ESL online. Um, I've been doing that for about, uh, about 15 years now. And you are located in a rather hot place of the world. I am. I live in Monterey, uh, Mexico. Yeah, in the north of the country. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is how people with visual impairments can make use of smart home devices using the Apple HomeKit. In the introduction, you mentioned the Apple HomeKit. For people who aren't familiar with the Apple HomeKit, before we get to talk about its uses, can you tell us what that is? Yeah, so Apple HomeKit is it's a smart home platform, essentially. So it's built into every Apple device, whether it's iOS, macOS, tvOS, watchOS. So it's all there built directly into the OS, which is pretty unique compared to your other offerings from Google and Amazon. And what is the function of the Apple HomeKit? Apple HomeKit allows you to connect HomeKit compatible smart home devices. So things like lights and maybe smart locks and air purifiers and window coverings and these sorts of things. It allows you to connect those to the internet and then be able to automate them all together in one single app. Apple tends to use proprietary software. Does it interact nicely with other companies' devices. So for example, we have Nest thermostats. Yeah, so that's a really interesting question. Um, beginning in 2019, Apple joined Google and Amazon in what they called at the time the Connected Home Over IP project, which is now turned into the Matter uh, protocol, which is an application layer uh, for the smart home, which is to be used by Google and Amazon. So essentially what it's aiming to do is to kind of bring all of these different compatibility issues kind of together and make it easier for manufacturers to sort of build out their devices, but also make it easier for consumers to find the devices that are going to work for their chosen platform. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've been using our Nest device with our little Google mini device and our Echo devices from Amazon. And I can say to them, hey, Echo, set the temperature to so-and-so upstairs. But I am unable to do that with Siri. So it didn't seem to me at first that you could connect easily with your iOS device and some of your smart home devices like the Nest. Yeah, with that particular device, because the parent company of Nest just happens to be Google and, you know, there, there's always going to be some sort of rivalry there, right? With the, the Nest products in particular, you do have to get a hub. It's called the Starling Hub, and that will actually help you to connect any Nest devices to HomeKit. You can also use something called HomeBridge, which is a lightweight Node.js server, which will kind of help you bring some non-HomeKit compatible devices into HomeKit. Well, you actually figured out a different workaround, Pete. Oh, so what I generally do if I have my phone with me and I'm not home, but I want to turn on the air conditioner remotely, I will open up the Google Assistant app on my phone. And then from there, I can turn the air conditioner on remotely. 
but I can't do it directly from Siri, as you pointed out. Sure. Well, if I remember correctly, I believe Amazon just launched a a word a widget for for iPhone. So now you can put the Amazon Assistant on your home screen and actually be able to. I don't know that you can say the wake word for the Amazon Assistant and have it you know respond from your iPhone because that just wouldn't be very Apple but you can interact with it as you would any other widget from my understanding. Yeah. I don't really use the uh, Amazon. Yeah. So that was kind of my workaround. I was a little bit surprised when, you know, my Apple iPhone turned out to be the only device from which I couldn't easily control my Nest device. I had to go one extra step. These bridging devices you talked about, are they Apple devices or are these third-party devices that just happen to make HomeKit devices interact with other devices? Yeah, that's a great question. HomeKit is an SDK. So essentially, Apple provides the certification, the authentication of these devices, and the platform on which they function. But everything else is coming from third-party manufacturers. So any of the hubs that you might have, and there aren't too many hubs that work in HomeKit, but those are coming from third-party manufacturers. Yeah. Can you explain what an SDK is? Yeah, so an SDK is a software development kit. It's essentially everything that developers need in order to make their products kind of function within the Apple ecosystem. Well, getting beyond the interactions with a device such as Nest, for example, it sounds like if there are other devices like switches, outlets, etc., if you look on the box when you buy these things, they might tell you that they're compatible with Google, Amazon, and iOS devices. Is that right? That is right. There are, uh, let's call them stickers, um, for each of those particular platforms. So with the Amazon, the Google, and with Apple HomeKit. There are also some other ones like IFT, uh, IFTTT. Um, there's some other platforms soon. We'll see matter, which I talked about earlier, uh, I believe starting kind of mid 2022, we'll start to see the first matter devices come to market, which will kind of ensure that they work across the big three, Apple, Google, and Amazon. So the Nest was just a specific case and people shouldn't really worry too much about having other devices being controlled by their iOS devices. No, not at all. Tell us a little bit more about your YouTube channel and how long you've been doing this, how you got into it. That's a really good question. I believe my YouTube channel launched in 2017, if I'm not mistaken, but I didn't really put much attention to it at that time. Uh, I launched it at around the same time I launched the My Home Kit Home blog as well. And essentially what it was is my wife is just not very interested in the smart home stuff. So I wanted a way to be able to talk about it. And at that time, there wasn't really a whole lot going on. So I had kind of sort of, well, you know, I'll, I'll use this as a, as a way to just talk about this thing that I find extremely interesting. And then it kind of grew from there. And, and, you know, I've been learning a lot along the way, as I mentioned, by training, I'm an ESL teacher. I don't know anything about, you know, website design or even, you know, video editing and, and these sorts of things. So it's been a really interesting learning process, just, you know, learning how to use the devices that I have to, you know, kind of, share my my passion and my interest in the smart home with others. 
So Pete's totally blind and his experiences are all using screen readers and braille displays and stuff, but I'm fully sighted and I went to your YouTube channel uh-huh. and the visuals on your videos are not only informative, but attractive. Do you do that yourself? I do. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, I, for a long time, I've been very much focused on, you know, for me, it's, it's all about high contrast, right? I want things to be big and bold because well, I can't see things that well. <laughs> so I want high contrast. You know, I like things to be very bold. I want things to, to sort of stand out. And that's sort of been my approach with all of my content creation. So for anybody with a reasonable amount of residual vision, presumably the visuals that you created would be most valuable to them relative to just random visuals. Ideally, yeah. And also, you know, anyone with a visual impairment could just hop over to the blog and everything's written out there. So, Oh, so the blog is essentially the transcript of the videos? It is, yeah. There, there is some some additional content on the blog uh, that supplements what I do on the YouTube channel, and, and and vice versa. I've got you know specific content for Instagram, for YouTube, for you know. I haven't gotten into the TikTok thing yet. Who knows if I actually get there? But yeah, everything just kind of complements each other, and and you know, there's little Easter eggs <laughs> hidden across all of the different platforms. You mentioned that your wife wasn't particularly interested in these smart home devices, or at least as much as you were. And I'm wondering if in the process of doing all this, how well you've integrated all these smart devices into your home and into your daily lives. So that's a really interesting point. She's not super interested in it, but my wife is also, she's fully sighted. And so I have to kind of manage this thing that I've created, right? So I wanted all of the lights in my home to be, you know, to, to not even just be, you know, accessible with Siri or to, you know, to, to speak to a speaker because I'm just personally not that comfortable with that whole process, but I wanted them to just work and, and, and really be optimized for, for me, but also for her at any given time of the day. So, you know, particularly with lights, because I still have, you know, the remaining vision that I do have, I love having sufficient light. And I've kind of looked at how my eyesight works and I've set up my automations to kind of work around how I've seen if my eyes get tired, it's like they tend to get tired in the evening. So I'll have those lights to be fairly dim in the evening so that it can kind of help you know, to relax my eyes and, and, and kind of get more into, and it, you know, it has also to do with circadian rhythms and these sorts of things too. But yeah, managing a house with, you know, somebody who's not really that interested in the technology, plus someone who's fully sighted, it is a little bit of a balancing act, but it's actually worked out quite well. I've got a few different devices that actually have e-ink displays, which she can see. So she likes, you know, being able to see what the temperature is in the kitchen, what the air quality is in the kitchen, whereas I can't really see it. So I just you know, I'll ask Siri, or I actually have automation set up, which don't even necessitate that I know what the air quality is. There are just automations that will turn on the vent hood, that will, you know, turn on air purifiers if the air quality isn't so good, just for an example. So it sounds like 
you use the voice commands sometimes, but not exclusively, and you've managed to set up a lot of scheduling for your devices so that your wife doesn't really have to deal with all that infrastructure and learning voice commands, etc. Yeah, that's essentially what my idea was is because, you know, we're still both not really all that comfortable with just voice commands, right? You know, sometimes they don't work. Sometimes Siri doesn't work. Everybody knows that Siri doesn't always work. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where I wanted everything to just be taken care of for us and that neither one of us had to actually think about it. Whereas I get to sit in my office and kind of play with automations and figure out, okay, so, you know, at this particular time, this is usually when I'm going to wake up. So I want this number of actions to happen. I want the coffee pot to turn on. I want the lights in my studio to turn on. If the temperature is, you know, at, let's see, 85 degrees, the fan will turn on. If it's at 90 degrees, it'll, you you know, we'll get the air conditioning turning on, those sorts of things. You mentioned a slew of devices there. What are some of your favorite devices that you may have talked about in your YouTube channel? My favorite device that I've got at the moment actually controls my mini split. So if you're not familiar with the mini split, it's essentially you kind of like the air conditioning that you would have in a hotel room, right? Before I got this device, it's called the Sensible Air and it's an, it's an essentially an IR controller. So it replaces the infrared controller for my air conditioner and it made my air conditioner fully accessible through HomeKit. I was able to use VoiceOver to control, you know, the, the horizontal and vertical swing of the, of the, of the vents on the air conditioner to control the temperature, to control the mode, all of these things that I had, I didn't actually know the air conditioner could do because I couldn't see the remote. I actually can now control myself and I don't have to worry. I don't have to ask my wife. I don't have to just be limited to, you know, turning the AC up and down. So I really enjoyed that device. Oh, it sounds like you bought an air conditioner without voiceover or Alexa built in that had a remote, but somehow you were able to buy this additional device that enabled you to kind of throw away the remote and run this device through your iPhone, for example. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a great example of when smart devices can be helpful to people with visual impairments if you can't read the regular display. But you said that you've identified a whole bunch of uses that are specifically helpful to people with vision loss. Can you talk about some of those? Absolutely. So, you know, light is is one of those things. Um, And I'm not talking about light for those who have vision loss. Even if you have no light perception at all, being able to control your lights, it's a security issue, right? So you may want to make sure that your lights outside are on at night. And you can make sure of this by just simply looking at your phone and saying, okay, you know, we've got voiceover, we can ensure that the lights outside are on without even being able to perceive that there's actual light there. Um, you can also do the same thing for curtains and shades and blinds and these sorts of window coverings, where you can ensure that, you know, these automatically shut at a specific time. So if there's a time of day that you know that you don't want anybody to potentially see inside your house, you can shut those shades and you can do it from your phone and ensure that those are actually shut. You talked about getting this special device for your air conditioner. 
if you wanted to control other devices in your home, such as a shade that came with a remote, for example, can you use the same device for that? Or do you have to get multiple devices, one for each one of your you know, shades or air conditioners? That's a good question. So the one that I'm using for my air conditioner, it's a, it's a specific device that's made for air conditioners and heat pumps. Um, there is another device. It's actually a hub, like we talked about earlier, that kind of combines uh, some other smart home devices. It kind of acts as a translator between a, a specific smart home protocol called Zigbee and actually makes it compatible with HomeKit. And it actually acts as an, as an IR blaster, essentially. So it can control anything that can send and receive IR signals, which is infinitely useful. I use it here in the studio to turn on my studio lights because they use an IR remote. Uh, but you can use it to control televisions, you know, anything that has an IR remote. And in this case, IR is line of sight controls. So you have to be in the same room with the device that you're trying to control, I take it. Well, if you have the device that's controlling the the IR device. So for example, I've got, it's, it's a little round kind of puck that, that sits on a shelf and it actually has 360 degree IR uh, blasters on it. So what it does is, you know, I can be on the other side of the house. I can grab my phone, I can turn on the lights. And because it's got that 360 degree IR blaster that's in the room, it'll turn on the lights that way. Oh, I understand. So you can control the IR device from another room or location. Right, exactly. And because the IR device has a signal that goes 360 degrees around, it may be line of sight, but there's a whole lot of lines to choose from. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about this particular device. It's actually, it's kind of an all-in-one. It's actually, it's a, it's a home kit security system. It acts as like, like I mentioned earlier with the, uh, the Zigbee, the, the smart home protocol, it acts as a communication device for that. Um, it can also act as a doorbell. So you can use one of the buttons that, that you can connect to this hub as a doorbell um, really does a lot of really interesting things. And I actually reviewed that on the channel not too long ago as well. One of kind of one of my, my favorite devices of the year so far. And if people wanted to find that, what is the specific name of the device again? So this device is called the Acura Hub M2. And so Acura, is a, they're a Chinese company that have made lots of waves within HomeKit in the last sort of two years. Um, they have very, very, very affordable devices because, you know, smart home devices aren't typically known for being that affordable. But with Acura and their line of devices, they have a huge range of different sensors and switches and plugs and, and all sorts of things to kind of get you set up in a smart home at a really reasonable price. How do you spell Acura? It's A-Q-A-R-A. You've been using smart devices for many years, and you do some very sophisticated things with them. If somebody was just wanting to get started and maybe felt a little uncomfortable about the technology, what's something simple you would suggest they start with? You know, one of my, my big things is, what do you do in your home? What do you think could make it easier? Something that a lot of people will go to is lighting. 
right? So you can get a smart bulb that works over Wi-Fi. You don't need any hubs. You just connect it. You connect it to HomeKit. You can also, there are a lot of bulbs out there that'll work across all three platforms. So if you have, you know, one of the Amazon devices or one of the Google devices, you can use one of those, but also set it up with HomeKit and be able to use it across, you know, multiple platforms. Um, that's one of the, the ways that a lot of people get started. There's also smart plugs, right? Very simple, but extraordinarily useful smart home device. I use it to control my fans. I, I've got multiple smart plugs across the house. You've talked about how useful some of these devices can be for a visually impaired person. And you also talked about how you use a lot of scheduling and all. And I'm wondering, a lot of these devices come with their own app. How accessible are these apps for someone who uses VoiceOver? Yeah, so that's been one of my my big focuses lately. And, that, and that's kind of where I'm sort of taking the channel at this point is to include that sort of information because it is something that that I actually look at in the review process, but I never really talk about it much in the videos because there's not really a whole lot of time. But at this point, I'm thinking that, you know, because it is so important to me, it has to be important for other people. There are some apps that are extremely good at making all of these different features accessible with voiceover. Um, There are other apps that just don't care. And, you know, that's one of the great things about HomeKit is that you can all bring it back to Apple's home app, which is a stock free app that actually comes on every iPhone and it's HomeKit compatible. It will show up in that app automatically. And you don't even have to use the third party manufacturers app. You can set up the device directly in Apple's home app and its features are all compatible with voiceover directly from Apple's home app. Well, that's certainly good to know. I can save people a lot of trouble down the road. Absolutely. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about Apple Home, Apple Home Kit, Dustin Bogus' resources on My Home Kit Home, and how to contact Dustin directly. Well, Dustin, if people want to learn more about some of the demonstrations that you've put up on your YouTube channel and talked about in your blog, where would they find that information? Yeah, so I can be found across the web at My Home Kit Home. It's all one word. Um, you can find my YouTube channel on YouTube by just searching My Home Kit Home. We also have the blog over at MyHomeKitHome.com, and we're pretty active on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. And if people had questions for you, is there a way they could contact you directly? Absolutely. It's questions at myhomekithome.com. That is perfect. And I guess you continue to do more of these and people can learn as new devices come on the market and you learn more about some of the apps. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the idea is to continue growing and, and you know, learn, you know, one of my great passions is learning. And so, you know, I love teaching. I love learning and, and, you know, sharing everything that I've learned with other people. Are there any Apple sites that you would recommend people go to, to learn about the Apple home kit? Absolutely. So Apple actually has a dedicated website for HomeKit. It's uh, apple.com slash iOS slash home. And there you can find a list of all of the compatible HomeKit devices, as well as some tutorials on how to use HomeKit and how to get started. 
And in case you missed any of that, you'll find it all in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. There are also links in there to some of the YouTube videos he did on accessibility of the smart home. That's it for show number 2152. Next week on Eyes on Success will be our year-end special. And this year, we'll be talking about how we create Eyes on Success. People frequently ask us that question, and we have answered it before, but the last time was four years ago, and some things have changed. We will talk about everything from how we select topics and guests, to recording and editing, to posting the podcast, maintaining our web presence, including the tools and techniques we use at each step. So if you want to learn what happens under the hood at Eyes on Success, join us for our final episode of 2021. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.